to the doghouse i'm diana and i'm david it's riverdale season 7 episode 20 chapter 137 goodbye riverdale back in present day and longing for her former life in riverdale 86 year old betty turns to a special friend to help her relive her last day of senior year <sighs> we made it to the end it's over it's our last one i'm so happy <laughs> <laughs> I, it's a bittersweet thing is it though? <laughs> it, it is. I mean, for all for all we shit on the show, we've had a lot of fun doing it, and now it's over. Mm. So I think they've left enough of a bitter taste in our mouths to uh, to just say good riddance. Well, you're speaking. You don't need to speak for me. Fair. This is. I don't. There are things about this episode that I really I like how they they told us how things ended for people so we didn't have to like wonder in this world what you know what did what did they do they told us because i really don't want any ambiguity bullshit you know six months from now being like well this is what we intended no who cares uh do do what you intend to do so that was nice but the framework for it is still feels so hollow well, it's because they didn't do anything to actually lead up to this. Yeah, I feel like so much of what we see in this episode, they could have been hinting at all season long and given us like a much more, this could have been a much more satisfying bookend. Um, but, you know, there are, some, there are some cute moments and some some funny things. I just, they've done nothing to inspire any confidence. And then they dropped this episode, which in a vacuum is a, Perfectly acceptable series finale, but given the season that they have just gone through and all of the shit that they've done and both made us enjoy and endure, Mm -hmm. there's no point to any of this. Yeah. Well, we start off at what looks like the Cooper house. It's not, but it looks like it. And we see photos, you know, of, of our friends and we have old Betty sitting in bed looking at an obituary for Jughead Jones. And we come to find that she's talking to her granddaughter, Alice, and she realizes that she's the last one of us alive. And she tells Alice, I want to go back to Riverdale one last time because I'm forgetting everything. And her granddaughter says, okay, yeah, we'll go on a trip. We'll do that tomorrow if you're up for it. And then a little bit later, we hear this bell chime and she's fallen asleep. But she wakes up and Jughead's there. And I'm going to call this Jug narrator Jughead. This is our Jughead that we've been through the whole journey with. Oh, they call him Angel Jughead. They do call him in the in the subtitles Angel Jughead. But this is narrator Jughead. Jughead is not an angel. Yeah, fair. And she's been looking at her yearbook. And he tells her that he can take her to a day and she can watch herself live it. That's the only catch. And she says, no, no, no. I want to I want to pick a day that I missed and I want to go to the last day of senior year because I got the mumps and nobody signed her yearbook because she wasn't there to pick it up and she was so disappointed so she wants to go to that day so he says okay all you have to do is walk through this door she walks through the door and it's our Betty now now that's not Lily Reinhardt in old age makeup it is a completely different actress so now we have Lily and she's just so excited. She's seeing her room again. She's, you know, back in her body. And she's like, why did I ever have a problem with how I look? <laughs> like, this is insane. Uh, she looks over to Archie's window. Like, how many 
times that I look over at that window and Jughead says in the thousands at least it's it's very cute and Jughead says hey you know Archie's about to have a big conversation with his mom and so we go over into the Andrews house and uh, we come to find out that Archie's plan is to work on the road crew over the summer pouring concrete digging ditches uh, basically doing President Eisenhower's highway project with Vic with Vic, who we've heard this whole series. So that's cute. And Mary's not excited. She's like, you know, the second you see that Pacific Ocean, you're never coming back. And Archie's like, no, no, you know, I'll, I'll always, you know, want to be here. I could never forget about Riverdale. And she jokes that he's just like his dad. Well, yes. Which, yes. We cut back to Betty. And uh, she's like, I don't remember what happened to Mrs. Andrews. So Jughead tells us. And we see her back at her dress shop, uh, Perky and Peach. And we come to find out that she bought the dress shop. And then one day, a woman named Brooke came in. They started a conversation. And a few weeks later, she moved into the Andrews house. And they stayed together till the very end. And uh, Betty just remembers she was always a kind woman. And she gave my mother hell for just owning me. Which is sweet. It's nice. I like that they kept uh, Mary and Brooke together. But at remembering her mom being a little bit awful, she hears laughter and she rushes downstairs and she sees her mom in a stewardess uh, outfit or uniform and Polly very pregnant and they are laughing together. And she's just so excited that they're there. They're talking. Everyone's happy. But it's like, you did it. You you divorced dad and you became a stewardess just like you dreamed. And Alice is just like, nah, I just passed peanuts on a puddle jumper to Poughkeepsie. But, you know, life goes on, which is very, very good. Uh, they ask her about the month. She goes, oh, false alarm. And uh, she goes off to school. Everything about this is like, Betty, cool it. <laughs> yeah. Even for happy Betty, this is a lot. It's way too much. It's way too much. Mm -hmm. uh, when she goes outside, she asks Jughead, was my mom a stewardess for very long? And he says, no. One night, the pilot had a heart attack, and she took control of the plane and landed it safely. And one of the passengers asked her for dinner. And then they got married, and he offered to show her the world. So she has a nice, happy ending. And what about Polly? She had her twins, Juniper and Dagwood, was very fulfilled, a happy life with her family. But she never performed as polyamorous again. Okay, nice. Whatever. Uh, we roll up on Riverdale High and we run into Veronica and we're just, Betty's just being very sentimental. And even Veronica's like, come on, we haven't, you know, the day's barely begun. Let's go. Riverdale. And we go inside the school. And again, she's being very sentimental. She She's looking in the trophy case and we see that Archie has gotten some sort of writing award. And then Tony reads a poem on the loudspeaker as a senior class president. Uh, she reads Dreams by Langston Hughes. And while that's happening, Betty goes into the blue and gold office and so she's listening to that while she's looking at like old issues. And she really just mentions that Tony did such an amazing job making sure that Riverdale had a dialogue with greater issues in the country. And Jughead starts and that would continue until, and Betty's like, no, no, no. I don't know. I don't want to know what happened to Tony yet. And he's like, okay. Fuck off. 
Yeah. This is such RAS patting himself on the back for bringing social issues to this show. It's... And using Vanessa Morgan's character for it. Well, they've done that this whole time. Like, consistently. And she's the one who called him out for her being used. And, you know, good for her for, you know, giving her care, like, for fighting to give her character more weight. And but that should have happened from the beginning. Barf. <laughs> Betty goes over to the yearbook table and Cheryl is like, why are you doing, why are you here? You have mumpy cooties. <laughs> but he's like, no, no, false alarm. Uh, can you sign my yearbook? I'll do it later. I'm busy. He's like, well, what if I don't see you again? You're coming to my the art show opening at the dark room, and then we're hosting a get-together at Thornhill. And then Betty goes to the music room, and she gets Fangs to sign her yearbook. And then we find out that Fangs uh, is going on a tour this summer. It's going to be six weeks with a great lineup. He's got a, a hit called Pixie Girl. And it really turned around Midge's parents and letting them get married. Midge is very much not looking to be pregnant right now. This is annoying as fuck. (laughs) She should be practically giving birth. Their pregnancy timeline is super fucked on this show. But while Betty's like really excited about this, she comes to realize that that summer didn't go very well. And she's remembering that Fangs was the first of them to die. Uh, about four weeks into the tour, his bus was heading over the Rocky Mountains, and one of the tires blew. No survivors. But the proceeds from his hit song, which became a gold record, supported Midge and their daughter. Okay. That's nice. I, I wrote, it fucking worked. It actually fucking worked. Yeah, this plan <laughs> worked. Really easy to impress people in the 50s. The stupidest plan in the universe. Kevin grabs Betty for lunch. He's like, hey, come, let's go have lunch outside. It's a pretty day. And Jughead tells us what happened to them. Um, they got an apartment together in New York. Kevin went on to be, uh, he started an off-Broadway theater. Clay became a tenured professor at Columbia. Kevin went to sleep and never woke up. And Clay passed away a few weeks later. Yeah. And Betty, you know, Betty's just remembering that as Jughead's telling her. And uh He's like, oh man, y'all are soulmates. And Kevin's like, yeah, speaking of soulmates, we're, you know, you're ever going to tell me, you know, you can come clean about what's been going on with you. She's like, what? It's like, yeah, like you've been dating. Like we know you haven't only been dating Archie and not the others. But he's like, what, the others? And he's like, yeah. Well, how have you forgotten that you, Archie, Veronica, and Jughead have been in a quad this entire year? And then we look, and Betty's face is kind of like, what? And then we look over to the jalopy that Archie, Jughead, and Veronica have just sh- shown up in. And they all wave at Betty. And Betty's like, oh, yeah. And just starts waving back at them. Oh, my God. <laughs> this is the most Riverdale thing ever. I giggled. I thought it was funny. I I laughed about it, and I I do like that they decided to not make a decision about who they all end up with, whose end game. I love that. I also love that how they how all of their lives ended had nothing to do with each other. Love it. That's great because that's more true to life. But this was a golden opportunity to have them all dating each other this season. 
and navigating the amount of drama and intrigue that could have come from this could have kept us afloat for 20 episodes. Easy. Easy. Nope. We're going to piss it all away with just a couple comments in the last episode. Lost opportunity. Again, it's shit like this that made the actually sweet moments be like, yay. And I also feel you manipulating my emotions. So oh, fuck yeah. you. <laughs> and also, we're we're not going to make a decision. We've decided we're not going to make a decision. And look, I'm okay with that. But this is lazy. Well, this we talked about it a little bit. I don't, I don't think it's that lazy, provided that you had actually done the work to set it up throughout the entire series. Exactly. But they didn't do that. So this is lazy. This is no, a cop I, I understand. I just, I envision a world in which they had all, in some form or fashion, in some part of the universe, dated each other. Mm -hmm. And then once they realize all of that, they go, why do we have to decide between all this bullshit? <laughs> well, but there you go. There's the drama, all the strife between, oh, I can only date one person at a time. And I don't know how I feel, but this is fun. Oh, now I have all these new memories and we really enjoyed fucking. So let's do that again, because that was fun times. That could have created so much fun drama between all of them, and we didn't get any of it. No, we no. I don't. I don't know why I'm trying to justify it. Part of this is judging it on its own, and there was a part of me that was like, actually, this makes a fuck ton of sense for this show, mm -hmm. and and for these characters, and I wasn't mad about it. Mm -hmm. I I gave up a long time ago on them ever trying. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Well, we cut to Betty's in the bathroom. And she is kind of chuckling at to herself. And Cheryl's like, what are you so happy about? She goes, I'm just now remembering. It's been a really fun year. <laughs> she's thinking about all the sex she's had this year, which I'm like, good for you, girl. Uh, we cut to the gym and she's had Reggie sign her yearbook. And now she decides, oh, and Reggie's like, of course, you know, I, I, I got to do anything for the girl who helped me fix up Bella, his car. He's like, you know, we could have had fun up at Lover's Lane together. He's like, if you didn't choose Archie over me. And she's like, I didn't choose Archie over you or Jackhead. He's like, what? She explains to him what happened, which this is great. This was the perfect person to have this conversation with. because uh -huh. Reggie gives dumb himbo responses so well. Like, that his reactions to things are worth their weight in gold. Like, it's amazing. <laughs> she tells him, you know, after Angel Tabitha visit, you know, I remembered what it was like with Jughead and Archie. And Archie and Veronica remembered what it was like being together. But Veronica and Jughead should just start the thing. So we decided we don't have to make a choice. Let's just all be together. And so sometimes I'd go to Archie's. And Veronica would go to Jugs. And sometimes I'd go to Jugs. And Archie would go to Veronica's. And then sometimes I'd be at Veronica's more than you might think. And so Reggie's response to this. Well, you guys never thought about bringing me into the mix? Uh-huh. Yep. That's Reggie. <laughs> that's 100% what Reggie would say. Mm -hmm. And she's just like, you know, you were just too focused on basketball. And he goes, I would have made the time, Goldilocks. <laughs> Which is a nice callback to her Halloween costume. So that's that. She asks uh, narrator Jug, did Reggie ever go professional? And we find out that 
The following year, he played for Kansas State, and then he got drafted by the Lakers. And during the offseason, he would work on his family's farm until they passed away. And then he sold the land. And then he started coaching at Riverdale High. He had two sons who still run the used car dealership, Mantle Motors. (laughs) Very sweet. Very cute. And then Jughead says, we go to the Babylonium next. And you can see on Betty's face that it's like, fuck, I don't want to go there. I don't she doesn't want to go anywhere. Let's be well, honest. No, but it's just like, oh, this is this one's going to be hard because now we're getting into her one of her best bestest friends. Uh, so we go to the theater, and basically Veronica tells her she's leaving to go to Hollywood. Josie McCoy's words about taking over Hollywood have been ringing in her ears since your last visit. So she called her friend about getting a job, and we have a little scene about her telling a studio guy that that's what she wants to do. And so Betty's just like, you know, it sounds like destiny for you to be in the movies. And they're just, uh, they just make a promise that they're always going to be in each other's lives. And uh, we cut to them both sitting in the theater and Jughead saying, I always love this theater. Lots of, lots of kids made out of here. And then he pulls up a seat and goes, a lot of gum under these seats. And under the seat is a Jughead crown, little graffiti, which is very (laughs) cute. So Betty asks about Veronica and Jughead tells her that the summer after graduation, she started as an assistant and in a few years she was running the place and she became known for her impeccable taste and for taking risks on young raw talent. She won two Oscars and produced some of the most iconic movies of her time. And she was buried in the Hollywood forever cemetery. Um, And we see them outside the theater and they've got, you know, Veronica's footprints there like uh, like the Chinese theater in California. So it's very cute. Betty's, you know, reminiscing as she like fingers the footprints. And we find out that she went to some of her premieres. Like we were so close, inseparable. And then we just, (laughs) yeah, it's just very sentimental. Sentimental's a nice word. Schmaltzy? (laughs) That's another word. Vomit inducing. Yeah, eye rolling, eye rolling. Uh, we go to the dark room and it's an art show for Cheryl it's all of her paintings that she's done of all the people and Tony is selling issues of Black Athena the literary you know journal from the school the first six issues bound yes that's it we find out that Cheryl had a fabulous career uh, even you know sold some paintings in Europe and they stay together they moved to Oakland were activists they had a son named Dale after Riverdale. And if you didn't already know this, that little boy is Vanessa Morgan's son, River, who is also named for Riverdale. Um, First of all, why, Vanessa? Why? Um if you like the name River on its own, fine. Probably. But also that was it's such a big part of her life. And so like River's a great name. It's a great name. Um so like no shade. At least cool. didn't name him Dale. Yeah, she didn't name him Dale, which, again, if your name's Dale, sorry. It's just not my favorite. And if you had the choice between River or Dale, I'm choosing River. Second of all, Cheryl in, in the 70s polyester. Fabulous. Oh, man. Some of the future forward costume makeup choices are amazing. <laughs> they passed away peacefully after living full, gorgeous, sexy lives. Why did we throw that in? It's just weird. Uh, it's because it's echoing things that Cheryl has said. I guess. Yeah. But then I, I, I do like the use of this to kind of like pinpoint like some quick snippets about what happened to other people. We see Julian 
What happened to him? He died in Vietnam. Cool. Nana Rose reincarnated multiple times. <laughs> then we see Mr. Weatherby and Miss Thornton. They got married. And then we see Frank and Tom. They were murdered. Betty asks, by who? A hustler they picked up one rainy night named Chick. <laughs> I love that so much. I would have killed to have Hart Denton in that room. That would have been so funny. And then we look uh-huh. over in the corner and it's Veronica, Archie, and Jughead sitting down and they're looking very morose. And Betty's like, what's going on? It's like, oh, Veronica's telling them that she's leaving. And Betty's like, I wasn't here for that conversation. It's like, well, maybe you could go cushion the blow. So she goes over there and they're all waxing poetic about being sad. And basically it's just like, we're so lucky to spend this much time together. So let's take the hot rod together for one last time to go to the party. Sure. So they do that. It's very cute. They go over Sweetwater River. Um, Jughead says, you know, if I had to live through high school twice, which we did. I'm glad I did it with you three yahoos. That's nice. Sure. <sighs> we show up at Thornhill for the party and Betty is outside with narrator Jug and she just doesn't want to go inside because she knows it's going to be the last time they're all together. And Jughead's like, yeah, too bad. Okay. He gives this monologue that is clearly there. What is grief if not love persevering? Yeah, that's really trying hard to give the WandaVision bullshit. He's pushing that line so hard. I was like, every minute counts. And I got to tell you, and you've seen it from all of them at points. Mm -hmm. Cole is so checked out. Yeah. Yeah. And here's the thing. He's a dick and an asshole. but I don't blame him. (laughs) I will give it to him. His final monologue. He does very well because he has to give that to the camera and he does it very well in a way that feels correct. Um, This just felt like this writing is bullshit. No, thank you. And, and like I said, I, this isn't really so much a judgment on him as just every single person throughout this entire season has had several moments where it's like, you just do not care. No. <laughs> and why should you? So we go inside and, you know, our whole crew is there and Archie has written a poem. It's a little roast poem, but this was, I really, really did like this. This was one of the two moments that I was like, this is really this is great this is an ode to my best friends and every good thing that must come to an end tomorrow we won't see each other in study hall so here's a few memories for us to recall and no i won't be mentioning the epic highs and lows of high school football yes love it the amount of times that's memed and we ourselves have made fun of that line we will say it forever epic epic so great. That just adds to it. Mm-hmm. Him losing the accent for half a second. I grew up next door to Betty Cooper, who thinks everything is super duper. Just don't mutter the word tangerine because it sets off her serial killer gene. <laughs> Veronica Lodge, always in pearls. There isn't a business you haven't given a whirl. Funny to think you were never prom queen. Then again, you were once upon a time a human dialysis machine. <laughs> we find out that veronica asked angela T- tabitha to make sure nobody remembered that well it wasn't a good memory for her but it was a good memory for everybody else very funny cheryl blossom you're as rich as a rockefeller you also kept your beloved jason down in a cellar she did do that but i'm glad to see you and the serpent queen back together only thing tony Southside is one word so whoever designed your jacket is a terrible speller <laughs> Jughead Jones needs no intro. 
he made his teacher jump out of a window. Thinks himself a private eye, chained himself to Southside High. Kevin's voice is so beautiful, he belongs in a chorus, but he spends most of his time cruising Fox Forest. That felt a little gross. What else were they going to talk about with Kevin? (laughs) Well, they could have given this to what they gave for Fangs. Fangs, look at you now, you're a rock star greaser, a long way from a cult member who stole organs to put in a freezer. (laughs) Last but not least, Mantle the Magnificent, pound for pound, you're my closest equivalent. But there's that other Reggie, so how do we know you're even legitimate? I'm going to need to see some kind of birth certificate. Which isn't great, but I do like that Reggie then goes, I'm sensitive about that, not cool. <laughs> it, I wasn't, it, it just wasn't as funny as the other jokes until he brought that in. Yes. Uh, these are just some of our wild endeavors, but now we've come to the end of our time together. It's truly one of my life's greatest pleasures to call you all my best friends forever and ever. Which is very sweet. So then later, Betty's kind of sitting alone and Archie comes over to her and they have the sweet moment where he says, I always thought we would end up together. And she tells him what happens to him because she's now she's she's pretty much remembered everything. She's like, your mom was right. You saw Callie and you never came back. Um, he got married. He had a family. He was a construction worker. He was an uh, amateur writer and he was happy. Um, and when he died he asked to be buried next to his dad well we do all this mm-hmm. except that she tells archie this directly mm-hmm. and it's like again part of this is all the stuff they've set up but like hey elizabeth stop breaking the space-time continuum yeah but like we know this isn't real so it's fine i know um she exits the house and we see narrator jug and she's like there's one last person I want to visit before we leave. Uh, I just need to get some flowers first. So we go to the cemetery and she goes to Pop's graves. He passed right after the beginning of senior year. Um, but at least you know, it was a terrible blow to the town, but at least it happened in his sleep. Um, and Betty asks, what do you think happens when we die? He's like, well, can't speak for everyone. But he's probably doing what he loved best. Flipping burgers and mixing shakes and making people smile. We've already established the sweet hereafter. I know. Why are we doing this? Then we cut to them sitting on a bench in the cemetery. And Betty tells him, you know, I've read your obituary. And, you know, Jughead's Madhouse magazine. And we kind of see Jughead living that life, which Cole with the sideburns is awesome. That It's so good. It's so good. They picked a great look for him, really into it. And he's just like, well, I could have, I could have, you know, had a worse legacy. But do you, do you think about that? Do you think about your legacy? Which ding, 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 I won. I won fucking this whole thing. I called legacy two seasons ago. Thank you very much. Mm -hmm. But he's like, no, I really don't. And so then we get to see Betty. In the 70s. So funny. Um, Oh my god. (laughs) We started with Teenage Mystique, which was a self-published bestseller, and then her advice column, Betty's Diary, and then she went to New York freelancing and uh, protesting, and then she started She Says Magazine, the go-to source for feminists and progressive causes exposing hard truths, which is adorable. It's very cute. The outfit is... It's great. Incredible. It's so fun. And we find out that she never got married. 
but she adopted her daughter Carla and she loved being a mother and a grandmother and she goes that's my true legacy my family and she asked Jughead did you have any regrets about not getting circled and he's like sometimes and Betty just kind of talks like I wish we could stay in Riverdale forever with all of our friends you know young and beautiful and full of hope um but you know I know we can't do that she's like I'm ready to face whatever comes next so we cut to old Betty sitting in the back seat of a station wagon and uh her granddaughter and I assume her partner are driving her to Riverdale They're like hey look grandma we're nearly here and you can tell she's tired <laughs> sure. and as we're driving through Riverdale, we basically have Goodnight Moon, only it's Goodbye Riverdale. I wrote this too! <laughs> it's very Ugh. stupid. So dumb! I'm fine with the drive through Riverdale and these moments, but what we should have had happen is every time we saw something, they showed a tiny little, you know, image of a cool thing that happened on those steps, a cool thing that happened in the gym. Those, that's what should have happened instead of this goodbye narration bullshit. <laughs> so then they pull up to Pops, which looks kind of abandoned. And, you know, she looks asleep. And, you know, uh, Alice is like, oh, she's asleep. And the man is like, I don't think she's asleep, honey. Nope. So, so we hear the Riverdale bell chime. And then we cut to young Betty gets out of that car. In a ponytail. With a long ponytail. Long ponytail. And she walks into Pops with Jason holding the door, which I love that he was there for that. <laughs> love that. So Trevor was there. And she walks into the big Pops in the sky where all of her friends are there too. This was the other really nice moment. This was very cute because it's like all of her friends have been waiting for her because she's the last one. Mm-hmm. didn't pass and so pops is there and kevin and clay and you know tony and cheryl and then we get you know jughead veronica and archie they saved her a milkshake her favorite strawberry and um then we go outside and it's our jughead narrator jughead talking to the camera and he just kind of like sums up about like, go, we're going to leave them here where they're forever juniors, which again, cracks me up because of the 90210 connections there. And we kind of flash to seeing the friends enjoying each other inside Pops. At one table, they're doing an Archie comics puzzle, which is very adorable. <laughs> and, you know, Jughead looks right at the screen and says, you know that you'll always be among friends and that Riverdale will always be your home. Until then, have a good night. And we end with the typewriter noise. Riverdale. Riverdale. Two things. Kind of hated the monologue. Mm-hmm. It had to happen mm-hmm. because of how we structure this shit. But honestly, I wished it had just ended at her at Pops in the Sweet Hereafter. I think it would have worked better if on the, because all of them are on one end of Pops, is if we had narrator Jug on the other end watching all of this with his typewriter and we don't see him talking but we hear the narration as he ends and that's it because the whole construct the whole framework of the show has been the narration that this is a story that Jughead is creating is writing and so that would have book ended it well and also gave it given some closure to that piece with making that whole scene work yeah it just it felt like you ended it why did you go back and do another ending? You ended it 
and I'm fine. I'm fine with this, you know, almost epilogue, but it needed to be in the same, the same tone as the rest of the show with, with Jughead looking directly into the camera. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't work that that was missed for me, but it, it would have been so easy to fix that. But more importantly, and I missed this is when they're in the graveyard, Betty, of course, says that she wishes she could stay in Riverdale forever with her friends. And I wrote in my notes in all caps, I sure shit don't run. All of you run very far away from this fucking hell town. <laughs> don't think what happens in Riverdale. We got two very sweet, very poignant moments that mm-hmm. did tear me up. Like we got to that last part with it and I was like, damn it, I'm tearing up. This is sweet. Yeah. And yet I they know. threw it straight in the garbage. I'm so upset with them over that. Yeah. So I recently read a book called Greeks, Gleeks, and Dawson's Creek. And it's all about teen dramas and how, you know, the 90s, early 2000s, like those became such a crazy thing. And I, I've been thinking about that book so much with this season as it's like Riverdale is a weird flashpoint of a network that became known for its teen dramas, really trying to make it happen with this show, but really having no concept of what people actually like and what good television is. And it's so going to be written about in about 15 years in that way of like, what a weird experiment this show became. Because there are so many really good things about this show. There really are but it's all lost in its horrible, horrible delivery. Well, either it's going to be written like a flashpoint or we're going to find out a bunch of horrible shit once their NDAs expire. Oh, we're going to find out horrible shit about everything, even the good shit. Like, I'm, I won't be surprised. The thing is, we've seen them on the press junkets having to barely stifle their disdain for what they're having to act out. Oh, and... and- And so the strike has been a blessing for them to not have to do this about this. For fucking real. Which is great. It really, I mean, it is probably best case scenario in that they can all go, I can process the relationships and time I spent on this and not have to pretend like it's a a Mm -hmm. fun thing I'm doing because I hate every one of these lines. And all of them should be able to have whatever career they intend to pursue because they're all very talented so that that'll be great i it'll it'll it it is bittersweet because this has been six years of our life this has been six years of our life and now this chapter is is over and so that's weird it's weird it is weird if they had tied things up or gone more interesting i think i would feel I would feel a lot more conflicted. Sure. Instead, I think it's that it's that sense of relief that brings that tinge of sadness, but that's it. There's also none of the like, wow, what a ride. It's just like, no, it's like, well, that happened. Damn. It's a very interesting chapter of our lives. For sure. <laughs> so if you made it this far with us, thank you very much. It has been a wild ride. We appreciate you greatly. So for one last time, hashtag Bulldogs Bulldogs forever.
listening. Be sure to review and rate us on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcast. For questions, comments, and recommendations, you can email us at macintoshandmod at gmail.com or find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook.